Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of our fascinating science and technology series. Today, we're going to unravel a complex topic in the realm of machine learning in a way that's going to make intuitive sense to all of you, no matter your background. That's right, Tom. Our focus today is on something called parameter-efficient orthogonal fine-tuning via butterfly factorization. Sounds like a mouthful, doesn't it? But don't worry, we're going to break it down together. Yes, Jen. Let's start at the beginning. Model fine-tuning is a common practice used in deep learning models, particularly in adapting large pre-trained models to specific tasks without the demanding need to train them from scratch. And one way to fine-tune these existing behemoth models efficiently is through this technique called orthogonal fine-tuning, or OFT. It's based on a concept of preserving the angles between the neuron's weight vectors during training. Just imagine ensuring that two vectors remain at the same angle throughout a transformation. That's the key idea here. The problem with OFT, though, is the high number of parameters because of the nature of orthogonal matrices. They're full and dense. To maintain efficiency, they introduce sparsity, the concept of strategically placing zeros, reducing the number of parameters. Enter butterfly factorization. This is an elegant way to strike a balance between having a dense matrix and keeping things efficient. The technique draws inspiration from the Cooley-Tukey algorithm, which is used for fast Fourier transforms, believe it or not. Think of it like this. Butterfly factorization breaks down a dense matrix into a product of sparse matrices. Now, if forming one dense orthogonal matrix is like constructing one heavy and solid bridge, Butterfly factorization is like constructing several lighter bridges that, when aligned properly, take you across the same river. Spot on, Tom. And the magic is in how these smaller matrices, called butterfly components, connect with each other, efficiently passing information in a grid-like fashion from one node to another, while keeping the number of trainable parameters surprisingly low. Yes, and by employing a structure similar to the network of a butterfly's wing, hence the name, we arrive at a dense matrix through the compounding of these sparse matrices. This allows for an orthogonal matrix to be parameterized with significantly fewer parameters, saying adios to unnecessary complexity. And here's the kicker. This isn't just theoretical stuff. Extensive empirical studies demonstrate this method's effectiveness in adapting large models for language, vision, and even text-to-image tasks. In the end, what we've got is a powerful yet elegantly simple way to fine-tune massive models without overwhelming computational costs, paving the way for more resource-efficient machine learning. And there you have it, folks. Parameter-efficient orthogonal fine-tuning via butterfly factorization might be the key to unlocking the next level of machine learning capabilities without the heavy costs traditionally associated with big data tasks. Thanks for tuning in and stay curious as always. Catch you in the next episode where we'll be demystifying another cutting edge technology. Until then, keep learning and exploring. Have you ever found yourself at the bottom of the ocean struggling with a wardrobe mishap while your Kraken pal goes unnoticed in the sea of style? Worry no more, my deep sea fashionistas. Krakentastic Tentacle Ties Inc. is here to turn your favorite sea monster from drab to fab. From the abyssal black tie event to the casual Friday at the coral reef, Krakentastic has a tie for every tentacle. And with our patented suction cup grip technology, 
these accessories stick to your Kraken's limbs like a barnacle to a ship's hull. No more embarrassing tie floataways during an underwater waltz. Perfect for those underwater proms where you want your date to be the Kraken of the ball. Or for making a splash at those deep sea job interviews. Because first impressions count, even when you're interviewing with a giant squid. And of course, for those high-class treasure guarding galas. Because nothing says touch this gold and meet your doom quite like a perfectly knotted, shimmering silk tie. Each one of our Krakentastic tentacle ties is guaranteed to make your Kraken the apex of elegance and the sultan of style. So dive on into Krakentastic Tentacle Ties Inc. and get a grip on style. Your Kraken will thank you, and so will your underwater fashion sense. Because remember, eight limbs means eight times the fashion possibilities. Stay Krakentastic, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our podcast. Today, we're excited to dive into a fascinating paper called Florence II, advancing a unified representation for a variety of vision tasks. This topic might sound a bit technical, but stick with us, and we promise to walk you through it step by step so that it all makes sense. Right, so the paper is all about a model called Florence II, which stands for, well, actually, they don't say what it stands for. That's true but the name isn't as important as what it does. Florence 2 is a computer vision model created by a team from Azure AI at Microsoft. In simple terms, computer vision is the field where machines learn to see and understand visuals like we do. Florence 2 is what's called a foundation model, which means it's designed to understand and perform a whole bunch of vision tasks without needing to be retrained for each one. Imagine having one key that can unlock many different doors. That's kind of what Florence 2 does for vision tasks. But here's the catch with vision tasks. They can be really complex, involving understanding different levels of detail in an image from the big picture right down to the specific pixels. Yeah, and the thing is, existing vision models are good at learning from large data sets, but they aren't as flexible when it comes to directly applying them to a wide range of tasks. Enter Florence 2. This model is designed to be prompted with text instructions and generate results for tasks like captioning or object detection. Speaking of tasks, they've co-developed this massive dataset named FLD5B with 5.4 billion annotations across 126 million images. That's a ton of data. They needed that to train Florence too to recognize and understand these complex levels of details within images. The backbone of Florence too is built using a sequence-to-sequence -sequence or CQ2Seq architecture, which, without getting too technical, is a way for the model to process inputs and generate outputs in a sequence. Started at the beginning, end at the end. Pretty straightforward. And what's cool about Seek2Seek is that you don't have to add or change the architecture for different tasks. It's flexible enough to handle various kinds of vision work. Right. And the paper shows that by using this approach and this broad data set, Florence 2 became a super strong vision model. It's kind of like a jack of all trades when it comes to vision tasks, from generating detailed image descriptions to detecting objects in photos. And let's not forget about the real-world benefits. Florence 2 has tremendous potential in areas like accessibility, content moderation, and even in creative fields. Absolutely, the possibilities are endless with a model that understands visual content on such a deep and broad level. So, there you have it. Florence 2 takes on the challenge of versatile vision tasks 
with one unified and mighty approach. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this episode has made the concept of unified representation in computer vision a bit clearer and a whole lot more interesting. Join us next time when we tackle another exciting topic in the world of tech and innovation. Until then, keep curious and keep learning. Have you ever stared at the moonlit sky, Jen, and thought, sure wish I could drink that? Every night, Tom. But how do you brew a celestial body? With Lunar Brew Elixirs, Inc., of course. They're crafting tea time treasures so magical, you'll start questioning gravity. Each sip from their Silver Moon teapot is like a liquid lunar leap, with flavors that sparkle brighter than Venus in retrograde. Imagine hosting a tea party that's not just under the stars, but with the stars. It's your ticket to a Milky Way gala, minus the spaceship. And for the adventurous souls, brew during a solar eclipse and hold on to your moon boots. It's a flavor explosion that'll have you seeing constellations. So, forget sipping mundane. It's time to pour yourself a cup of the cosmos with Lunar Brew Elixirs, Inc., where the tea is steeped in mystery and the fun is just astronomical. Order your Silver Moon teapot today and they'll throw in a complimentary pouch of their signature Galaxy Green because why would you ever go back to being down to earth with your tea choices? Because reality is overrated and your teacup deserves an interstellar journey. Cheers to defying the ordinary, one cup at a time. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we'll be diving into a mind-boggling topic that revolves around matrix semigroups and non-negativity. Are you ready to learn something fascinating? Oh, absolutely. Now let's start by breaking down the title of the paper we are discussing today, Non-Negativity Problems for Matrix Semigroups. Jen, can you help us understand what a matrix semigroup is? Sure thing. Imagine you have a collection of square matrices, all of the same size. A semigroup is formed when you can multiply these matrices together in any order you like and always get another matrix that is also in the collection. Gotcha. So it's like a little mathematical club where all the matrix members can mingle and multiply without leaving the club. Exactly. And a non-negativity problem in this context is asking whether there's at least one matrix in this semigroup whose entries are all non-negative. That means no negatives are zero, just positive numbers are zeros. But Jen, here's a twist from the paper. While it's relatively simple to check if a single matrix has all non-negative entries, it's quite challenging to determine if a product of multiple matrices will end up being non-negative. That's the crux of this paper, written by Julian DaCosta, Yoel Wachnin, and James Worrell. They dive into this problem, exploring when it's possible to decide the non-negativity of matrices derived from semigroups. And boy, do they come up with some interesting findings. They show that if the matrices in the semigroup commute, that means they can be multiplied in any order without changing the result, then we can decide on the non-negativity. But hold your horses, it's subject to a big mathematical assumption known as Shanuel's conjecture. We'll talk about Shanuel's conjecture in a bit, but let's highlight that if the matrices don't commute, then things get, well, undecidable. That means we simply can't have a general method to answer the non-negativity question in every case. In their research, they tackle some outstanding problems too, like determining if a sequence of matrix powers becomes non-negative after a point. They find a procedure to figure this out, 
which addresses a problem raised by another researcher named S. Akshay. That's right. What's mind-blowing is that for specific matrix entries, it's been notoriously difficult to say whether they will eventually be positive. However, this paper sheds some light on that mystery. Now for the non-experts among us, let's briefly touch on Shanwell's conjecture, since it's a big part of their decidability result. It's a hypothesis in number theory that's yet to be proven. It's all about the complexity and relationships between exponents and logarithms of numbers. So what's cool about this conjecture is that if it's true, it would unlock the doors to solving many complex problems in mathematics, including some mentioned in this paper. The implications are huge. This paper isn't just a theoretical exercise. It can have practical applications in various scientific fields like control theory, coding theory, and even quantum computing where matrix problems abound. To wrap up, Tom, the paper by DeCosta, Wachnein, and Wuerl is like a trek through the jungle of matrix math, cutting through with some clever mathematical machetes. They give us a path forward in understanding non-negativity in matrix semigroups while leaving some tantalizing problems for future explorers. And that, dear listeners, has been our take on the intriguing world of non-negative matrix semigroups. We hope you enjoyed this intellectual journey. Don't forget to hit subscribe for more thought-provoking episodes. Until next time, stay curious. Welcome back, amazing listeners. This episode is brought to you by Prismatic Plasmascope, Inc. Oh, Tom, have you ever thought about turning your room into a trippy science fiction movie scene? All the time, Jen. But until we invent time machines, what's the next best thing? Well, Tom, it's obviously the revolutionary plasma kaleidoscope from Prismatic Plasmascope. These aren't your grandma's kaleidoscopes, folks. Nope, they've got that flux fusion magic going on. Just flip the switch and bam, your room's a disco from the future. Ever wanted to throw a rave for your pet goldfish, Franklin? Now you can. Franklin can swim to the rhythm of pulsating neon cosmos right there in your living room. Prismatic Pink, bringing you the lighter side of science and turning dull spaces into a dancer's paradise. Let your ceiling be the canvas and your beats the brush with the world's first plasma kaleidoscope. Spark up your space and let your imagination glow wild with Prismatic Plasmascope Inc. And don't forget, Mention coupon code Psychedelic Science for 10% off your first cosmic light adventure. Stay tuned, because coming up next, we're exploring the science of laughter, right after we disco nap under the hypnotic swirls of our plasma kaleidoscope. Welcome to today's episode of our podcast, where we delve into the intriguing world of argumentation element annotation modeling using ExcelNet. That's right, Tom. We're going to unpack a study that demonstrates XLNet's effectus in annotating elements of persuasive essays. To kick things off, let's talk about what XLNet is. It's an advanced language model based on transformers, which are like the brainiacs of AI models when it comes to understanding human language. And XLNet is particularly special because it can handle lengthy texts by modeling long-term dependencies thanks to its recurrent mechanism. This is key when analyzing essays, which can be pretty lengthy. Older models had a cap on how much they could process, which wasn't ideal for this kind of work. The researchers tested XLNet on three datasets, 
These datasets were annotated with different schemes, which are essentially different ways to mark up an essay's argument structure. And the results? ExcelNet nailed it. It performed strongly across all datasets, sometimes even beating human agreement levels. But what's the fuss about annotation in the first place? Well, understanding the components of an argument helps students improve their writing. Precisely. And by leveraging ExcelNet to automatically identify these components, we can have automated writing evaluation systems provide super helpful feedback to students. The study explored several annotation schemes. The arrow scheme, for instance, includes tags for different parts of an essay, like the introduction, conclusion, evidence, and so on. ExcelNet was like a star student, adapting to these diverse schemes and showing how versatile it really is. One big takeaway is that this kind of modeling can significantly contribute to essay evaluation systems thanks to ExcelNet's ability to sift through the whole essay without size restrictions. Before we wrap up, it's worth noting that the study isn't just about great results. It provides insights into the relationship between different annotation tags and how they relate across schemes. Some serious food for thought for educators and developers in the field of automated essay scoring. And there you have it, a deep dive into the world of argumentation element annotation modeling using ExcelNet. We hope you found this breakdown both enlightening and enjoyable. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode where we tackle another exciting topic. Keep questioning and keep learning. Are you embarrassed by your dragon breath scaring away more than just your enemies? Worry no more because Ogre Mint Inc. has got your back or mouth with swamp fresh toothpaste. Unleash the beastly freshness. With flavors like enchanted onion and mystic mud, you'll turn your snarls into smiles. And don't forget the gargantuan grin guarantee. If your grin doesn't spook a villager, it's your money back. Every bristle of that battle axe-shaped toothbrush will leave your teeth rivaling the stars for sparkle. Brush to the tunes of our ogre couple jingle. Be fearsome, be fresh, be fantastically minty. Watch out for Gary the Gentle Giant, tossing mini tubes of toothpaste to keep that monster mouth minty, even after chomping on wild boars. Subscribe to the Ogre Mint Club and never fret over foul breath. Plus, get exclusive invites to ogre gatherings. Remember folks, with Swamp Fresh, you're not just brushing, you're preparing for an epic roar. Join the toothbrushing revolution, your tusk will thank you. Ogre Mint Ink and Swamp Fresh, because even ogres deserve minty kisses. Brush like a beast and smile like a king. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and as always, I'm joined by the insightful and ever-curious Jen. Thanks, Tom, and hello to our listeners. Today, we have a fascinating episode for you. We're diving into a paper titled Summon a Demon and Bind It, a grounded theory of LLM red teaming in the wild. Now, before you start imagining supernatural rituals, let's clarify that, that we'll be exploring the world of large language models, or LLMs, and the fascinating practice of red teaming them. That's right, Tom. Red teaming, traditionally, is a practice where a team critically examines a system by thinking like an adversary to identify vulnerabilities. In the context of LLMs, this has become a somewhat playful and community-driven exploration. Individuals with a range of skills and backgrounds are trying to get these language models to generate outputs that they're not supposed to. Precisely, Tom. And it's not just about tricking the models for fun. 
There are serious applications here, like exposing potential risks, biases, and ethical concerns. So, Jen, how does one go about such a task? Well, Tom, it all starts with understanding that large language models, like GPT from OpenAI, have been trained on vast amounts of text data. They've been designed to generate coherent and contextually relevant responses to prompts given to them. But they can sometimes be too clever for their own good, right? Exactly, Tom. People have discovered that you can craft prompts in ways that can lead the models to produce outputs that might break the rules set by their developers or go against social norms. Some of these techniques include using encoded language or restructuring prompts to deceive the models into revealing information they're designed to withhold or producing content they've been programmed to avoid. The paper details an array of red teaming strategies for instance, some folks use what's termed prompt injection, where they insert instructions that override the model's safeguards. And it's not all about technical know-how. Some strategies involve creativity and psychological insight, almost like social engineering, but for AI. That's right. It's a blend of the technical and the imaginative, where knowledge of the model's inner workings meets a touch of human cunning. And what's equally interesting is the community aspect. People share their jailbreaks and findings online, inspiring others and contributing to a collective understanding of these LLMs. However, Tom, while these activities help uncover potential issues with LLMs, they also have a downside. For one, they can inadvertently provide a playbook for malicious actors. And then there's the reaction from the developers of these models. They're constantly updating the models to close off these vulnerabilities, which while important for security, can result in less dynamic and more restrictive systems. It's a complex, evolving scenario, Tom. And as these models become an ever larger part of our lives, understanding how they can be manipulated is crucial for developers and users alike. It certainly is, Jen. And speaking of understanding, how does one evaluate success in such red teaming efforts? Success varies, Tom. For some, it's about pushing the models to see how they break. For others, it's about ensuring these systems are robust enough for real-world applications without causing unintended harm. The field of LLM red teaming is definitely a space to watch, Jen. It's growing rapidly, with each new model release sparking a fresh wave of exploration. Indeed, Tom. And that wraps up our discussion on this thought-provoking topic. Listeners, if you're intrigued by how human ingenuity is pitted against machine learning, Keep an eye on the red teaming community and the ongoing advancements in LLMs. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We hope you found this episode as enlightening as we did. We'll be back soon with more insights on the cutting edge of technology and society. Until then, stay curious and keep exploring. Do you hear that sound, Jen? The sound of time being sucked away? Tom, it's broad daylight. The only thing that'll be sucking time today is our sponsor, Count Ticula's Timekeeping Emporium. That's right. If you've ever gazed at your mundane clock and wished it to be more bloodthirsty, then you're in for a treat. These aren't your grandmother's timepieces unless she's a vampire. Experience the thrill of vampire-themed clocks where every tick comes with a bit of mystique and a bite out of time. Why settle for a plain old chime when you can have a grandfather clock with actual fangs that strikes midnight with a spine-chilling hiss. And wake up like the undead with our coffin alarm clock. It rises at dusk and retires at dawn, because who wants to face the sunlight, am I right? 
At Count Ticula's, they understand daylight savings isn't just about turning your clock back. It's about turning your home into a castle of eternal darkness, stylishly. But wait, there's more. Mention our podcast and you'll get a free bat-shaped watch? That's right, Jen. It hangs upside down from your wrist and flaps its wings every hour on the hour. Remember, at Count Tequila's Timekeeping Emporium, daylight savings is not just a schedule. It's a lifestyle choice. So embrace your inner night creature and let your moments be forever nocturnal. Hurry before the stroke of midnight, because at Count Tequila's, every hour is a bite out of time. Thank you.